0: Third line plug, SensCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensy. Tim, how's it going, man?
1: It's going great. We have some good weather out here in Calgary, and as much as the hockey wasn't what we wanted to see in terms of the results, and frankly, it was kind of boring, I still think we have some good stuff to talk about this week.
0: We do. We do, and I want to start off by saying happy family day to everybody, unless you had to work today.
1: Okay, you're just rubbing it into the fetty space at this point.
0: Well, I mean, maybe just a little bit, but <laughs> no, you know what? Today is family day, depending on what province you're in, though. Yeah. So if you're in certain provinces, happy family day for the rest of you. Happy Monday.
1: Yeah, I think it's either this week or next week or is it last week and this week i can never remember. i think it was last week this week
0: that almost sounds like a like a new show last week next week
1: last week this week
0: yeah last week this week
1: isn't that like basically that crappy john oliver show last uh, week tonight or something yeah, stupid like that last week last week tonight i cannot deal with that guy
0: really like, what it, what you do which beef with john oliver
1: he's He's boring and his jokes suck. And he wants to pretend that he's like, oh, I'm so smart. Look at my enlightened takes. And they are universally stupid. It's like, take Jon Stewart and make him even smarmier and even dumber.
0: Ooh, okay. No, okay. You know what? If you're going with that reference and yeah. Okay. No, I see where you're coming from. I I don't have much to think about John Oliver. The only one I've really seen is... The one he did on Alex Jones. Yeah, but Alex Jones is an easy target. I know. And you know what's hilarious? Do you remember when Alex Jones was selling all of the that survival kit crap where it had like the protein powder and the creams and whatever? <laughs> and John Oliver actually went out and bought that for the show. And he tried the the protein shake and he goes, Oh man. It's like drinking, was it, a bird caught bird carcass and like dirt or whatever it was i don't know i think the the better joke is like you got the like that's the thing it's just
1: like anyone could be like oh yeah protein powder tastes bad because like i'm gonna let you in on a secret And i'm sure all our listeners know most protein powders taste bad but the funnier one that i saw was just some stupid meme where someone's like has anybody noticed that with alex jones's supplements he didn't get buffer he just got redder and yeah that's just really that's so much funnier
0: and that's the and that's what I think John Oliver even made fun of on the show too. Oh no. Oh no. But you know what Tim? We do have a great episode to talk about. You know, we're going to have a couple of games to talk about, some great top of the hour stuff, but before we get into talking about our cover athlete for today's episode, we got to make an announcement, Tim. Alert, 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 alert. So, I'm very happy to announce that we're going to have a very special guest co-host for March 4th, a gentleman by the name of Matthew Jacobson. He is on Twitter and I'm just going to bring up his Twitter handle here. He's going to be great. He's going to be helping us talk about the Arizona Coyotes game in the first week of March. So I'm super excited of it. And his handle is at the as sports guy, AZ sports guy. So,
1: yeah. And I think, Arizona sports, it's just this really interesting zone that I don't think a lot of people really get a good handle on what makes it tick. And uh, we've been really lucky in that regard to have people like Mike Gold come on the show who also cover the Coyotes and talk about that. So uh, I just love having Coyotes uh, fans on. It's it's just so fascinating to hear their perspective from on the NHL from quite possibly the most
0: would it be fair to call them the most troubled franchise in the NHL? Dysfunctional. Yeah. Yeah. I would say at one time it was probably the Florida Panthers, but the Panthers have righted that ship. I'm going to say it's the Coyotes.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: But I am very excited to have Matthew Jacobs- Jacobson on, and he's been suddenly, I've been following on Twitter for a little bit. So when the opportunity came up, I shot him a DM and said, Hey, do you want to come on? And he said, absolutely. So beauty. we love to see it, man. we love to see it. So turning our attention to him, it's time to talk about today's cover athlete for today's episode, season seven, episode 18, a chronological order, episode 168, the one and only Mike Hoffman. So, just a little background with Mike Hoffman, who was selected 130th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2009. He played parts of seven seasons with the Senators, recording 107 goals, 123 assists for 230 points in 342 games, and is currently playing in his 12th NHL season. As of this recording, he is currently a member of the San Jose Sharks. Part of him
1: being part of the Sharks is very funny when you kind of factor in the history of Mike Hoffman's trades. Unfortunately, the acrimonious exit from Ottawa sent him originally to San Jose, but then he was immediately flipped. Pierre Dorian didn't want to send him in division. Florida probably would have offered a bigger package. They accept less from... San Jose, who then immediately flipped him for a similar package. So there's a bit of irony in that right there.
0: There is quite a bit of irony in it, but I think the thing is, is that I wonder if we had made that trade within the division, we get the big package. How is the trade looked upon? Say we trade him directly to Florida. If he immediately has that big season, how's this trade look for the Senators? Do, do we look at it differently? The hard thing is, is just
1: like, it turns out that what San Jose got for Mike Hoffman, like three picks. We got Bod- Bodker Bergman, who did nothing, and a six-round pick also kind of turned into nothing. Jameson Reese, Jack Gorinak, and Mikhail Harkonnen. So it's really two hearts. It doesn't really look like a whole bunch in uh, hindsight. So yeah. I guess we can't get too mad. Honestly, it's one of those things where you just can't really get too mad about it. Uh, I think all of these, pl- like two of those players signed th- their entry level contracts. Only one of them is on an NHL contract at this point. And one of those picks just never made it. While well, since fans infamously got a couple years of Mikhail Bodker.
0: Yeah, and that's about as much as you can say about Mikael Bodker as a senator. He was a member here.
1: Pretty much, and it was it was definitely late in his career when he was here.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because Miguel Bakker was one of those guys who he was the definition of he just needs to change the scenery and he'll fully blossom into his potential, and it just never happened.
1: Never did, and like he had a couple like fifty point seasons, like would have been fifty point seasons in the lockout shortened year, and a fifty point season in Phoenix, and then yeah, it just never happened. Going back to Hoffman, I think. It's easy in the midst of all the things that went wrong with Mike Hoffman on the senders to forget just how legitimately good he was for the senders.
0: He was, especially in the Hamburger run. And I know that run of 2015 is always looked back on Andrew Hammond, but there's a couple of players that really stuck out for me. Mark Stone was a big one. I still feel he should have won potentially one rookie of the year off that run that lone year. You had Kyle Turris really coming into his own. Hoffman was another guy. He stepped up in a big, bad way to have some big points for this team. And you're right. I mean, he was a guy that he he never hit 30 goals, but he was always a guy who was on the cusp of that. And you would always think, okay, if he was a little bit more consistent, if he was a little bit more, if he, didn't, if he wasn't a streaky, he probably could have hit 30, no problem. It just never happened.
1: The other thing I think got severely underrated about Mike Hoffman in those years was people kind of called him a Heatley type. But he was able to create his own offense, which was fairly impressive. You don't get a shot at the Carlson to Hoffman aerial goal if you can't make your own offense. And Hoffman was excellent at getting open and making sure he was in place to take a shot or to know when not to... to pull the trigger and pass it on to someone else. So in his prime, Mike Hoffman was excellent in, in the offensive zone.
0: Yeah. I think the one comparison that I make to him is a guy like Martin Havlett.
1: I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause Marty Havlett was never like the biggest superstar name on the team, but he was a guy who consistently put up points was consistently good. And you know, I'm like, I'm Hav- like with Havlett, the Hoffman situation went down. Unfortunate that regardless of what Mike Hoffman's NHL career looks like, if he retired tomorrow, you know, you might talk about that one year in Florida where he had 36, but it's always going to come back to the him and Carlson situation,
1: the him, the Carlson situation. And what's weird is just like, that was a situation that just kind of the team imploded. And then it just came and went. Because, like, as far as I'm I am aware, no restraining order was ever, like, it was filed, but never granted. So, it's just a very weird situation that it's unfortunate that such a brilliant team collapsed in such a public way.
0: Yeah, and that whole situation was so disgusting when you were hearing like, oh, it was between the wives and it was like the players that got involved and what, from what, there's always been that talk about, okay, what's real and what was kind of rumor. Mm-hmm. And obviously you'd be doing the show, like you and I were told what happened behind the scenes. We won't go into that. But again, there's a lot of that stuff between Hoffman and Carlson that was, so disgusting, and I'm unfortunate that that really was the, that was the point that the Senators fell apart. Yeah. It was happening already, but that was the moment where it fully snapped.
1: Yeah, and it's just kind of weird that we've been doing this,
0: and I'm going to say this
1: right here. I'm glad that we do get to cover Hoffman as a cover athlete again, because it's kind of funny that this podcast for seven years has existed in the shadow of this incident because the senators just have never really been competitive again since then.
0: No, and never have gotten. Last year was the what the closest we've come to a yeah. spot.
1: Yeah, and it's just weird to think about.
0: It is weird to talk think about, but also it's really cool to come back to Mike Kaufman as a cover athlete for one sixty eight because we talked about it in episode sixty eight. So it's kind of interesting to have a different perspective on the player a couple of years afterwards.
1: For sure. And
0: it's interesting
1: to see just, and he never really was the same after that season either. He was still like a serviceable second liner for a bit, but then moved down to the third liner. And now he's playing out on the worst team in the league. The shot's still there, but the offensive creation has just disappeared. Yeah, I remember that time he was on
0: St. Louis? Yeah, he was actually in one of those reverse retro blue jerseys, the red ones.
1: Yeah, those were those were really something. But yeah, like as far as Mike Hoffman goes, the guy it's a sh- it's a shame it kind of went that way cuz like for a few years there he had a brilliant career. And like it won't be remembered, but like the heights of Mike Hoffman career were really good. And now we're just kind of seeing him play out the rest of his career.
0: Yeah. It is unfortunate, but you know what? We got the good years out of him. Oh, for sure. So Tim, we're gonna move to talk about Mike Hoffman to talk about next week's cover athlete for season seven, episode 19, Acronic Order, episode 169. We don't have one yet. Has someone played that position? Sorry, played that number. I think when we did it originally, it was Doug Glatt from the movie goon, but I feel like it's been done before. Yeah. So you know what? I'm going to throw this out to the listeners. If you have a suggestion of something you want Tim and I to talk about either a funny or something, either a kind of an interesting or funny or something cover athlete Or even if tim and i come up with something we're gonna have something to talk about for next week's cover athlete
1: yeah part of me is also wondering is like how many people have even worn 69 in the nhl
0: don't think it's ever happened
1: it's prop it's probably not allowed let's be real
0: no yo you know who i i don't know why i immediately thought this guy probably would do it what about link gates link (laughs) gates I
1: feel like that's a number we've talked about before. Sorry, I think that's a player we've talked about at length. Oh, there are two players wearing 69 this season. Really? Chase De- Chase DeLeo with Anaheim. And Jordan Dumais at with Columbus. There oh, are four God. total players who have worn 69. And only one of them has played more than two seasons. Sorry, only one of them has played... More than one season.
0: That's so outstanding. Yeah.
1: Andrew Desjardins.
0: Oh my God. You know what? I'm just looking right here. Uh, No, never mind. I thought it said that uh, Nicholas Backstrom wore 69 in the KHL.
1: That'd be 40. Oh,
0: that would be so good. That'd be so good. But you know, it's also good, Tim, is asking the question that our listeners love knowing. I love knowing, because I love asking you, how's your week been going? Honestly, pretty good. A lot
1: of just kind of getting T's crossed, eyes on, sorry, eyes dotted, that sort of thing. Uh, we finally get an inspection for our basement.
0: Nice. What day is yeah. that?
1: Yeah, uh, hopefully Wednesday.
0: Oh, that's exciting, man. Did you and the missus do anything for Valentine's Day?
1: Oh, actually, yeah. So, uh, Wednesday was, at, was Ash Wednesday, so uh, we went out for dinner on tuesday night instead and we went to a restaurant in montgomery called uh notable and it was really good
0: Okay, a uh,
1: bit more upscale, but uh actually spent less than 200 bucks which is nice
0: okay now for people who are not in the calgary era whereabouts in relation to the city of calgary is montgomery
1: so montgomery is in the northwest between uh the university and bonus. Okay. Oh, and Matthew Joseph just scored, but, uh, so, you know what Tim's been doing during this game, sorry, during this recording. But, uh, the other thing that happened on Ash Wednesday itself is, uh, it's not a mandatory, like not a mandatory mandatory mass, but, uh, for Catholics, but, uh, most Catholics consider it pretty mandatory because there's a mandatory fast that you have to do. And then, uh, You go to church and you uh, get ashes put on your head as Mm -hmm. a sign to remembering of, like, humanity's nature of sin, uh, what, like, the ministry of Jesus, that sort of stuff. And I got to be one of the people who put ashes on people's heads.
0: Oh, nice. Now, this is this the first time you got a chance to do this? Yes.
1: Yeah, so this is, I've been an extra, what's known as an extraordinary minister in the past. So that's the person who uh, hands out communion. Okay. Alongside the priest and uh, yeah, in the Catholic Church, some parishioners are deputized, trained how to do it, and then they hand out communion and or bless people who can't receive communion, and uh, they also get to put the ashes out and put on a blessing. So that was actually really neat. That's good. Cool. Uh, and I, f- I kind of screwed up. Uh, I, I I checked in with the person who was in charge of all that. They're like, oh no, you could just sit down, and then because we're not going to have the ems proceed in, the ems proceeded in. So that I got up and then I I was saying the I was using the the blessing from last year, not this year for the ashes. Oh no. And then I overheard someone using the right blessing and then I changed after that.
0: Yeah, you called an audible and you're like, oh, I'm I gonna called. get back on track.
1: Oh, I didn't even say that. It was just next person was like repent and believe.
0: Nice. What were you saying originally?
1: You are dust from dust you'll, to dust your return.
0: That almost sounds Latin the way that you were saying it. Yeah. Well, it's like, you have to say that
1: fast. And it's like kind of a so- more solemn mass. Okay. But uh, no, it's actually really cool. And then I was talking with people afterwards and I was like kind of embarrassed because I'd screwed up a bit. But then someone else is like, we're doing a poll of like everyone who received ashes and like your your handiwork was the nicest. And you're like, thank you. Pat on, the pat back. on back. I'm feeling a little bit better about that. You're yeah, like, so. out
0: of boy, Tim. Thank you, Tim did good.
1: Well done, Tim. So yeah, I got to do that. That was pretty cool.
0: That's really neat, man. That's really neat. I know that's something that you and I were talking about last week because I I think for our listeners, Tim and I both went to a Catholic school for four years when we were younger. I knew nothing about Ash Wednesday. So I had to ask him like, okay, well, what does all this mean? And I think the comment I made was like, you and I both went to Catholic school. Clearly only one of us was paying attention.
1: Yeah, and then I've kind of done my own formation around it as well. So it's like in part of just being part of the faith, you just get kind of reminded. It's like, okay, this is why we do this and all that fun stuff.
0: That's really neat, man. That's really neat. So I am going to talk a little bit about my Valentine's day because like yourself, Katrina and I also went out for dinner. Now we went out on the Wednesday night for Valentine's day. Katrina had no idea what I had planned Because I planned uh, like a month in advance. Because keep in mind, the first two two Valentine's Day that we were actually a couple, the first year she made me dinner, second time we ordered in. So for this year, I was like, you know what? Let's go out for dinner. Originally, and I know you're going to love this when I say this, the original idea was to go to Pagliacci's in Victoria. Nice. They don't accept reservations. And I knew, I knew... If I couldn't get a reservation, I was not going to be able to get in on Valentine's Day. Yep. Because I'm smart. I'm smart like that sometimes, you know? And so I was at work and I was filling in for our super or our safety prison. So I'm on Google and I'm Googling restaurants in Victoria. And this one restaurant on Courtney Street, it's behind Empress on that side of Courtney Street. Yep. Called 10 Acres Bistro. It's right across the street from the Courtney room. And... I saw that and I saw the pictures. I was like, okay, that looks fantastic. Sweet. Order reservation. We went there. And it was so good. Like, it was one of the better meals I've had. It was expensive, but it was one of the better meals we had. I'm glad to hear that because,
1: like, I saw good reviews for it. So I'm glad that you guys had a good experience as well. What do you guys
0: end up having, by the way? So what we ended up having is... So we both got... I think it was like a 12 inch sirloin
1: Ooh. with
0: 12 inch sirloin with prawns and mushrooms. And we split a ball of wine. Cause I had a ball of wine on special for Valentine's day. It was like four, oh, or, nice. three, four or three bucks. So we ordered Now I don't drink wine. So, but Katrina ha- does drink wine. She's been in wine courses in school. So she's like, okay, well, I know you don't drink red wine, but red wine goes really good with red meat. So I'll order you a good bottle. It was a nice bottle. Mm. It was $43. We got like three glasses between each out of the bottle. And so the waitress comes back to us and she says, you're like, I don't know how to tell you this guys. We're all out of the 12 inch sirloins. And I was like, oh, really? No, that's no good. And she goes, but for like six bucks more, you can just upgrade to it. The 14 out strip loin. Oh, which we did. And I described audio. Taylor's going to send Tim a photo. This is what I got here because I looked at it and I was like, Oh, that is like so good. And it was really done. Got it. Medium rare. And yeah, it was a really good meal. We got a three course meal. We got a nappy. We got like a charcuterie board, We got our actual dinner and we got dessert.
1: Dang. Oh, that is a nice steak too.
0: That is a very nice steak. It's not like an Alberta steak, but it's, it's a nice steak for Victoria. Yeah. No, like I'm always surprised at the
1: quality of food that you can get in Victoria.
0: And I'm really surprised that you feel that way, given that Victoria is a hub city. Like it's right downtown in the water. I guess if you go more inland, I guess you would be more surprised. But if well, you mean... more downtown. <clears throat> if Victoria is just small. Yeah. And like, I I think we
1: had a discussion before how there's just no real steakhouses on the island.
0: Well, there's no steakhouses in Nanaimo.
1: In Nanaimo.
0: Yeah, which we were surprised about.
1: But uh, like, yeah, Victoria, is just under 500,000. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is a, con- there's a good amount of good quality restaurants. Like I know one of my friends from Vancouver used to call... And funnily enough, now she works in Victoria. Uh, She calls it, like, the brunch city. Because, like, everything, all of, like, the famous places are brunch places. But there's a lot of good dinner spots, too.
0: You know what? It's funny she mentions that, because she's absolutely right. Where you think of, like, Blue Fox, Spoons.
1: John's Place. John's Place.
0: Floyd's Diner. Oh, my God. Floyd's Diner. So good.
1: Shine Cafe before they closed.
0: Yeah, uh, well, no, I guess redfish, bluefish is more of a fish. Yeah, it's a fish place. Same with uh, Finn's Chops.
1: Ooh, Finn's is good.
0: Oh, I know. God, I know. It was so good. We brought um, Dana, one of Katrina's friends out for dinner there. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, Breakwater is really good. Where mm-hmm. you, John, and I went. Yeah.
1: So like, yeah, like Victoria, Victoria has a lot. Like, I actually think there might be more good restaurants in Victoria than there are in Ottawa. To just put that into context.
0: Why do you think that is? Why do you think that
1: is? Do you think it's... Oh, it's city structure. So, uh, and this is a famous thing, and it's the reason why there wasn't a downtown arena for the Senators when the Senators first came to the NHL. The original city planners for Ottawa envisioned a government town where everyone just goes home to the suburbs at night. So outside of the market, there just wasn't a lot of ambition on the city's part to have interesting mix of restaurants and bars and stuff. And like, that's, ch- that's changed a lot in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. I a mean, last 20 really. Uh, But that's a lot of ground to make up. It's right. like Ottawa does have good restaurants, but just it's not, a, it's surprisingly bad for a city of its size.
0: Do you think more of those restaurants are in places like, Orleans, Bar Haven, more of the suburbs of Ottawa? Mm,
1: there is more in the suburbs for sure. Like Big Rig and all those ones are in the suburbs. Uh, but I think it's just, but then once you get to the suburbs, it's kind of all strip mall sort of stuff, right?
0: Yeah. It's all like Brown Social House.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's tough and it's going to take a lot to change that. Victoria has quite a few good restaurants. The one that's kind of sad is a lot of the cooler places in Vancouver are starting to get priced out.
0: Yeah, just because of how high the cost of operating is. Yeah.
1: And then it's probably not going to get any easier given what's going on in commercial real estate right now with a lot of offices. They're looking to downsize. Yep. And uh, that's probably going to put more pressure on like restaurant or store renters to make up the shortfall that office just isn't going to bring back.
0: Right. So you're thinking maybe if those businesses shut down, you'll see like the bigger box type of outlets sort of shops.
1: Yeah. So you're sorry. Like uh, one thing we noticed is like in Vancouver is there's less like, like one of my favorite fish places, in Vancouver, I think it was called like, I forget what it was called now. I think it was like the sharks. No, it wasn't shark. I forget what it was called, but uh, it was like kind of a quirky shark shark or not was gonna... fish place. Okay. If you said Shark Club, chum I bucket. would have been laughed. I was about to say the Chum Bucket.
0: You know what? That would be a, that'd be an interesting name for a seafood place. It's from SpongeBob.
1: But, uh, yeah, and then it got replaced with, I think, a Red Robin.
0: Mm.
1: And, yeah, so you're seeing more like Red Robins and Cactus Clubs and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Okay, so, so go back to where we're talking about, about Ottawa. And you said that the city planners envisioned it being like a government town where everybody lives on the suburbs. Okay. This is the way I think of it. Think of like New York city where you have wall street. That's where all the money is. That's where all of like the business people go. Do you think Ottawa kind of visioned it kind of like that where you have no, no,
1: no, it was just people come in during the day and they leave at night. Cause like outside of the market, everything closes at like six. Hmm. Okay. Like it's worse than Victoria.
0: And that's interesting, given that, you know, it is
1: is a... notorious for closing early.
0: Oh, Christ, you have no idea. Although Seattle closes early,
1: but that's because of crime.
0: Yes, I, I will agree with you on that. There are some places I have noticed that still stay open. But no, for the most part, I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that.
1: You could go to the Cheesecake Factory until like 11 p.m. If your heart so wishes.
0: You know, still have never been to a Cheesecake Factory.
1: You're not missing much.
0: You know what I really want to go to one day? And I will go there in the South. I want to go to Waffle a Waffle House. House. Yes, I do. And you know what's funny? Is Adam and I on Three Ghosts, we were talking about this on our recent episode. We were talking about, we so I saw this graph. And it was MLB stadiums that are closest to a Waffle House. T-Mobile Park in Seattle is about 950 miles away from a Waffle House. <laughs> they came dead last by the way. Tor- of course, Toronto was closer to a Waffle House than in Seattle.
1: I'm looking this up, MLB park by distance to Waffle House.
0: Here, I'll I'll have it I have it on my phone. I'm going to bring this oh,
1: up. I was just going to Oh, MLB teams ranked by their distance to a Waffle House. There is one within half a mile of the Atlanta Braves truest park. Yep. That came number one. That is incredible. Rogers center is almost at the top half. 19th for the blue Jays. Yeah. I understand how this works geograph- geographically, but it's just incredible that there is a waffle house closer to Toronto than boston
0: it might be in like n- maybe new york state do they have any in new york state
1: actually i'm
0: gonna look what is okay. the
1: most northern waffle house waffle house locations by state uh there are 11 in pennsylvania
0: okay and yeah and pittsburgh and, is Pittsburgh's yeah. only like a four or five hour drive from pretty much
1: ohio. there's 64 in ohio
0: that's what Adam was saying, too, because I was like, I don't know. Uh, it seems more like a blue state. I don't know. And he's just like, no. What, Ohio? Ohio.
1: Ohio is a red state.
0: Is Ohio a red state? I always assumed they were a blue state.
1: It used to be a purple state, but it's gotten redder over the years. But uh, then again, Illinois is a blue state and there's two Waffle Houses in Illinois. Delaware has three and Delaware is also small and a blue state. There's 11 in Maryland. What about Montana? Montana montana there are none
0: ah shit okay
1: the closest waffle house to me is probably colorado
0: Jim, do you want to go to colorado
1: not really well maybe that actually you know what i screwed up so bad tay why two years ago i was in houston and we didn't go to a waffle house
0: but you did go to a really good barbecue place though.
1: I did go to a really good barbecue place for breakfast. So that, <laughs> so that think makes of it that, okay.
0: Okay. You always got to think of it this way. And this is what you've always told me too. It's like, where do you want to go? Do you want to go where the locals go? Or do you want to go to a waffle house?
1: Are you telling me? the? I think the locals go to the waffle house too. You know what? I, I did go to, maybe I could like replace Whataburger with waffle house.
0: Maybe. Maybe saying, next time. Next time you go yeah, out. Texas. Next time.
1: I'm going to look up where I was in the Waffle House's in Houston, and see if I was even close to one.
0: Okay. Well, while you're doing that, Tim, maybe I'll segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, what does it say about the Waffle House situation?
1: Uh. Okay, so this is Houston. Where's where's the airport? Oh yeah, we were super close to a Waffle House.
0: And you didn't go to a, you also didn't go to a Bucky's when you're down there too.
1: That's true, but I also wasn't driving.
0: Yeah, that is true. That is true. Unlike a certain gentleman this past week, who made some comments on a podcast, and we're gonna start off top of the art by talking about a Columbus Blue Jackets podcast. Who were called out this week now usually when a podcast gets called out it's usually due to fans or somebody writes an article they're not happy about this particular podcast was called out by blue jackets forward patrick line in regards to comments made by made about line and his leave of absence So for those who haven't followed this story, there was a Blue Jackets podcast, and we're not even going to name them. We're not even going to reference them because this is so unbelievably disgusting what they did. They had a guest on their podcast, and they're talking about Patrick Laine, and he says that Laine was... He says, yeah, he's doing a Remington retirement. Like, what? Why? And what's really sickening and disgusting about this is the hosts of this podcast we're kind of snickering about the comment. And this is the thing. People have always called out podcasts like, oh, well, it's opinion versus fact. And well, what do they know? They're just fans and whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, if you're going to have somebody come onto your podcast, if you're going to have somebody to come onto the podcast and talk about whatever, you are accountable. You are accountable for what gets said. You are accountable for what comes out of this. I mean, as much as we talk about spit and chiclets and some of the stuff they talk about, at least they've been open in the past about after they do the interview, they ask the guests, okay, is there anything that you said on this episode or anything that got said, should we cut out? So that covers them. Yeah. I think of it on our end, because we've been doing this for seven years. And I'll admit there has been comments and there's stuff that has been said that we hear back or we hear it in the moment and we go, you know what? Let's cut that. That was dumb. That was dumb. Or if that's going to rub people the wrong way. Cause you and I have always had a standing agreement. We will never say anything that will affect us from an employment standpoint.
1: Yeah. Tim and wants I, to keep his job.
0: Yeah. Cause you have a government job and I am respectful of that. And you're respectful of that. And so, if there's anything that gets said on our podcast, if we hear it, I'll cut it. No problem. We've had people in the past, I've come on, they've said stuff, and I remember hearing that going, oh, God, I'm going to have to cut that, aren't I? I
1: have, and we let them know that it's like, yeah, that's yeah. probably not staying."
0: Yeah, and, and we won't mention who that is. We don't uh-huh. need to go through that. But this is what really pisses me off about this whole thing, because... And you and I have talked about it. We've had friends of ours who have committed suicide. We've been open about our own mental health on this podcast. We've been open about certain issues. And even in the last couple of weeks, we've always mentioned about the Alexander Dag doc, about how it's great to see that NHL players and people in general are taking their mental health seriously. We always mention when Patrick Laine, for example, took the leave of absence, we made those comments of saying, no, good on him. But this is what really pisses me off because I heard the comment and this isn't like, it's not like a live recording. No. The episode was like what we're doing right here. You and I are sitting down, we're talking, we're recording us. What really pisses me, this is what drives me crazy is that one, the guy shouldn't have said it, but also the podcasters should have heard that back and been like, that's inappropriate we need to get this off the off the yeah. episode yeah like how on yeah and i saw the host like a couple of days later they were doing another episode and it's a oh well we'd like to apologize for our comments i'm like you know what you don't want to apologize you're only apologizing because you got caught pretty much and that is such a limp dick way of saying oh, we're busted uh-huh because if you guys really had an issue with it, you would have fucking caught it. Pretty much. But yeah, I think
1: after getting blasted by Line A, uh, they're probably going to see a dip a dip in their listen listeners.
0: They're not even on Twitter anymore. They oh, shut, wow. They shut their account down. And you know what? When I think of like, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the Bleacher Report podcasters too. Because when it comes to sports podcasting, there's, what, three big networks that come out? There's Locked On, Bleach Report, and Barstool. Yeah. And that's the thing. Regardless of what you want to think of Barstool. It wasn't even Barstool. At least, at least Barstool and their podcasts have the courtesy to be like, yeah, we're going to probably cut that out of the episode. I hope this is a big turning point for podcasters. That show, if you're going to record something, if you're going to put something on the public record, you're accountable.
1: Like, be prepared to defend it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's why you and I, this is why we have all five listeners that we do. This is why anybody who's ever worked with us walk away and they love working with us. Mm -hmm. And even if there is something controversial, we let them know we're not keeping it in the episode. Yeah. It's, It's only fair. Yep. So we're gonna move from talking about the Blue Jackets. We're actually gonna talk about a Trombic police story from last week's episode, because we were talking about Morgan Riley, and Morgan Riley was suspended five games for the cross to the head of Ottawa Centers forward Ridley Grig. That's fair. That's a fair suspension. It's
1: fair. What's surprising is it took so long. Like the suspension came down da- by the time the suspension came down, the leafs were on the ice in an hour.
0: That's wild to me, eh? It was. It was, and I often wonder why it took so long, because to me, and here's the thing, even if it wasn't an Ottawa center, say if Morgan Riley had done this to any other player, you and I still would have said, it's cut and dry, he should be suspended for this. Pretty much. So you can't say, and again, going back to what we've said about the podcasters or whatever, the one thing you can never say about us we're biased. We may have found towards the Ottawa Senators, but if something happens like this, we can't say, oh, the, they should throw the bucket." at Morgan Riley. It goes back to, you no, know, you think of it, you, you take the fandom out of the equation and you look at it from a hockey fan point of view. Yeah. As a hockey fan, five games is fair. Yeah.
1: And the only thing that I think people kind of quibble about is like the difference between this and the Perron sucker punch. And I think that's a fair debate to have.
0: It is. Well, and especially like he would have got suspended regardless. But the only reason he's getting five games, he did it after the whistle.
1: Well, it was so far after the whistle, too, right?
0: Yeah. Like, again, he...
1: even George Peros points that one out. It's like Morgan, right? The whistle goes, the goal is scored. Ridley Gregg is almost back to his own bench. Yep. And then the altercation happens. This is not a hockey play.
0: No, that was like, if you remember when Dale Hunter hit Pierre Turgeon in the 93 playoffs. Yeah. He scored the knockabout and then he drills him into the boards. Mm -hmm. Like,
1: Riley's hit is nowhere near as vicious
0: as the Dale Hunter hit. No, not at all.
1: So obviously not completely comparable, but it is a suspension. Yeah. The NHL does not look kindly to that sort of thing.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Tim, so we're going to give a quick congratulations to Toronto May Police Ford, Austin Matthews, who became the first player since Mario Lemieux in the 95 96 season to record six hat tricks in a season.
1: He's doing my fantasy very well.
0: Oh, no, I'm fully aware. I'm fully aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I should actually have a look at the fantasy. I haven't looked at it in a few weeks. That's fair. That's fair. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. Like I'm in two hockey leagues and I'm just like, I tend to forget I'm even in them because I play fantasy football majority of the time. Fair, fair, fair. So, but no, I definitely got to look into that. got to check that out. See how I'm doing. Well, I'll tell you what though. I'm, while I'm doing this tip, I'll tell you one thing I'm doing better than Jarmo Kekalainen this week because the Columbus blue jackets fired him after parts of 11 seasons on the job.
1: People were a little surprised he got this far. Especially after the Babcock debacle at the beginning of the season.
0: Yeah, and we talked about that. That should have been... He should have been fired right then and there.
1: Yeah, because that's... On the same level as Pierre Dorian screwing up... The no trade clause. Yeah. Like... Same level of incompetence, but... I almost think the cons like the potential consequences of hiring Mike Babcock when the guy really had it changed are probably worse. And then the way that they've been managing rookies, especially with the di- Oh shoot, we sp- with uh check Yeah, Jerichek. Has just really not looked good for Columbus this year. And you have to you have to envision that the next uh, GM is going to probably fire Vincent immediately. Like it's just, this has been a bad year for jackets fans.
0: It has. And it's been so unfortunate because of the run they've had in the last several years where they finally looked like they really did turn the corner and they were really going to go upwards. And then they got what one playoff series win out of it. Yeah, it pretty prob- much. probably if not one of the most infamous playoff series of the last decade.
1: Yeah, and like it's tough because you ha- you saw how well Torts had that team playing and then he left and it's just kind of been a mess since then.
0: Yep, but I'll tell you one thing. He's sure been, he sure helped turn the Flyers around. I don't look now. Well, maybe not so much now. We don't talk about now, but we are going to talk about <laughs> the current day because we've got a couple of more congratulations we've got to give out to him. Vegas Gold Knights defenseman Alex Pietrangelo played in his 1,000th career game. Petrangelo has... He was a He was a player that a lot of people thought was
1: done. Like, his last year in St. Louis was frankly shaky. And people thought that the injuries were finally catching up. So, kudos to him to getting 1,000.
0: Yeah, and remember back when he signed with the Golden Knights, you and I were kind of looking at each other going, like, why Vegas? I get it from, like, their... One of the top teams of the NHL, but also, what need does him going to Vegas even help? And then he got a big clip out of that, especially during the COVID year where the cap was at what? Not even like what well, I can't remember what what was the cap in twenty twenty was not that high.
1: It wasn't. It was eighty one million, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and it just was stalled. It stalled out there.
1: Well, remember how. Difficult it was for Vegas to ice a full team those years. Yep, Like there were multiple games where they had 19 skaters, them in the Leafs.
0: Yeah, that's what happens when you put all your eggs in one basket there, guys. <laughs> but in fairness, Vegas got a cup, so you can't really complain about that. No, not at all. No, but good on Angelo for hitting a 1,000 games, and also good on Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid, who recorded his 600th career assist.
1: What's wild is he's clicking at almost an assist per game rate right. at 600 assists in less than 650 games. Like, that's incredible.
0: It is incredible, but it, again... When you talk about Connor McDavid, are you even that surprised he's doing anything anymore?
1: Not really. Although it was interesting. I forget who it was compared his pace to Yaramir Yager. And he's actually at a higher pace than Yager was in his prime. I remember that Yager was playing in an era where all the cool kids were getting 150 to 200 points at least once.
0: Yeah. If not multiple times.
1: Yeah. Like actually incredible. Yeah, so and,
0: and also good on Yarmir Yager. Finally got his number retired this weekend.
1: Yeah, lots
0: going on in Edmonton and Pittsburgh. eh? I know, and you know what that really did make me happy to see Yarmer back in a Penns jersey.
1: I received on Twitter earlier today it's like, uh, Dubas has to do something to fix Pittsburgh's power play. And then there's the photo of uh, Yarmir Yager walking into the rink with a hockey bag.
0: Yes.
1: It's like, there's your answer, boys.
0: Yeah, I did love the fact that when he went out for the warm-up, everybody was wearing mullets.
1: That's sick.
0: That is such a chef's kiss. Such a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Now, you know how we're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers a minute ago, Tim? And we about John Tortorella? The Philadelphia Flyers have named Sean Couturier, the franchise's 20th captain.
1: It was a matter of time. Either him or Konechny. Couturier has been... So good for them.
0: He has, and he's he reminds me a lot of Giroux. He's just very good, but kind of goes under the radar. That's
1: that's kind of the thing about those Flyers teams because they were so mid for so long. Yeah. And now finally stuff seems to be working for them. Recent slide uh excluded, but it's it's good to see that. There's still good things to talk about the Flyers, and uh, hopefully they make some noise in the playoffs, eh?
0: If they get there. If they get there. If they continue on this recent trend. It won't be good.
1: Yeah, but it's like... I'm not sure who would... I think they banked enough points that would be hard for, one, them to fall into the wild card, and two, lose the spot to New Jersey or Detroit.
0: Yeah, unless... Jersey or Detroit. Yeah, say, unless Jersey makes a big trade for Jacob a Markstrom. Goalie. And goes all in. Which, honestly, I could see Markstrom going to Jersey.
1: Yeah. Apparently, Saros might be on the move. Or at least uh, Nashville is willing to listen to that.
0: Oh, what would be the asking price for that?
1: It's probably a high-tier offensive player plus probably like a Batherson. I was going
0: to... Okay, here's the thing. If you're the Ottawa Senators, what's your package?
1: Would you do a ba- Batherson in two firsts?
0: Because um,
1: that's... They're probably going to be asked... UC Soros, if he actually is going to market, will be a very hot
0: commodity. I, I'm very hesitant to trade first-round picks because we're goalie voodoo. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what the package for Ottawa would be to get Yaros or Sorrow? sorry, but be good. But anyway, sorry, Going back to Sean Couturier. No, I, I've always kind of liked Couturier. There's not really any moments that stuck out for me, but he's just been such a consistent player. All those years he played for Philadelphia. Yeah. And it's not off.
1: Well, you're seeing it surprisingly more and more in the salary cap area for like the big stars to stay with one team.
0: Yeah.
1: like, It's kind of impressive what Tampa's been able to do to keep that core together, just as an offhand example.
0: Hello, Roboda Island. Hello, Roboda Island.
1: (laughs) But yeah, so it's good to see, uh, like, players stay and kind of become, if not franchise icons, but, like, someone that, when you see the jersey, you think of that person. And they're, they're wearing the letters now.
0: They sure are, man. And hopefully... We'll see a lot more of these players sticking around their entire career.
1: Like, I guess that's the one thing where it's kind of weird to me that John Tavares has the C in Toronto.
0: But I think, honestly, it was going to be Matthews and that whole thing with him and the cop in Arizona. Squash that.
1: That's fair. They could have given it to D-Lander.
0: I mean, I get why they went Tavares. I guess. But I think Matthews was the peck all along.
1: Yeah, and then the cop thing happened.
0: So we're going to close off the top of the air, Tim, by talking about a fine. And you know what, Tim? I'm very excited to talk about this one. Do you want to know why? Why? This fine includes some cents. Oh, so let's, let's go. Banker Canucks forward Niles Hoglinder has been fined $2,864. And wait for it. 58 cents. The maximal allowable under the CBA for high-sticking Red Wings defenseman Jake Wallman. This was a pretty bad high
1: stick. I'm surprised there isn't like a game or two suspension on this one. Like he just waxed the guy.
0: He really does. He does. I mean, it's. It was not good.
1: Yeah. So Vancouver got away with one here, I think.
0: I think so. Uh, Sorry. Can I add just one quick story? And I completely forgot to mention it here for top of the hour. The Blue Jackets new third jerseys. Now I know that we made a comment about it a few weeks ago on top of the air. They finally unveiled it. I don't know if you saw it.
1: They are jerseys that exist.
0: Don't like them. And there's the thing I like black as a Jersey. I like when they incorporate blue. I hate to say it. I think the Leafs did it better. Like, you know, like the Leafs black and blue Jersey. Tampa Bay Bay went that, except they did it worse.
1: Oh, the thing they're playing in tonight. Yeah, that thing's not great.
0: Yeah, like that's the thing because there's been teams recently who have incorporated more black jerseys like San Jose brought back their their blacks, but with like the really updated logo. And I think those are cool. So good. That looks so good. I love the coloring and I love everything about it. But yeah, same with the Tampa Bay one I just look at I'm like it's just Toronto's
1: it really is you know we're gonna close out with one new one other story a send story but it's a Belleville send story oh I love it this family day the Belleville senders brought out a very special uniform
0: it is wait the for Bellev- it wait for it I got it let me throw it on Oh no, he's actually going to get it.
1: Yep, it's the Belleville edition of the Senegal. Now, I'm not actually sure if bit, and it's kind of neat too because they actually create a Belleville version of the Binghamton Senators uniform on top of it. Oh, look at it! So nice, so nice. But yeah, the Belleville ones look really good. They oh have the God. Belleville patches and the big. They worked their mascot in
0: place of the old Biggumton senator. That was such a nice touch. And you know what, though? Like, what the senators... And I think Michael Anlauer said it recently. For their... I don't know, their reverse retros or a third jersey. He wants a red jersey to come back. Okay, this one. Do it in red. Update the gold and do it in white.
1: Oh, so you'd have, like, a white gold.
0: That could be neat.
1: Uh, let, there's also been a rumor going around that the SENS business I think it's their business development group is also interested in rerunning the Senegoth in some capacity
0: let's go because I know like they've already tried to do it in the last reverse retro and
1: it it didn't hit
0: this is the thing there are ideas that seem like a good idea but the execution's weak yeah and I felt like I get what they're trying to go for. And I made my comment about it. They should have done it in black. But with the swoosh, the inside of it should have been like white. Yeah. White white or red or something.
1: Yeah. Like it was close, but it did
0: not spark joy. It did not spark joy. Unlike this Jersey and the Belleville Senators. I'm going to, I don't want to get one. I, I do too. I do too, but I'm like, Tay. Okay, this goes back to the Bret Hart Calgary Hitman jersey. It's Tay, you would buy it, you would wear it once, and you would never wear it again.
1: Honestly, same. Although, I kind of want to get a crooker one.
0: Although, if I'm being honest, there's a guy on the mainline selling a signed Alexi Yashin Sens jersey. I was like, "Mm
1: -hmm." How much?
0: It's like 600 bucks. I'm like, no. There's a guy in Langford selling some Sens stuff, and he has the he has the newspaper clipping of the send when they won the franchise. That's cool. For 10 bucks. I want to go buy that. You should, I should go buy it. Get it and hang it up on the frame right it of the wall.
1: Yeah, no, that's a nice piece. I'd get that.
0: Oh yeah. And for 10 bucks. Oh, you know, So good. So good. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the air for this week. Cause you made only one thing. Simon started talking about some games. Now we got three games on the schedule. We've got blue jackets versus the senators. Ducks versus the Senators and the Senators versus the Blackhawks. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. (laughs) Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Blue Jackets versus the Senators. This is a six to three Senators victory. Blue Jackets scores are scored by Dimitri Vornakroff, Boone Jenner, and Jack. Roslovic says it was scored by Brady Chuck with the hat trick, Claude Giroux, Ridley Grieg and Eric Branstrom short kick, short kick with the empty net goal shots were 40, 30 for Columbus, this is the game Columbus should have actually gotten a W but Brady Chuck said no. This is a funny game
1: because Ottawa went up by two went up by three goals and then just said eh, that's enough. Columbus scores two more, Brady Chuck's like yeah i'm gonna play now and then wasn't really much from either team after that
0: no and it's funny you mentioned that tim because okay so i was at the gym when this was happening so i left the gym the game was one one right so i get changed i had to go to home Hardware because i picked this thing up for katrina i don't know if you can see that so this uh-huh. thing here it's a mold so uh-huh. basically what you do is you take the top off you put water in the cap you put it back on and it freezes. It's a yep. ice ice ball maker. Yep. 20 bucks. I got it for her for Valentine's day because she likes her whiskey. So mm. I got that for her. So anyway, go to home hardware, pick that up, get back in my car, turn the game on. It's four one senators. And I was like, I wasn't even gone 10 minutes. What happened? Columbus hockey happened. The jackets.
1: They're having a rough season for a reason. Like yeah, Sarov was, is not a great goalie. No, it's and they, not
0: even because of their podcast does Megan shit.
1: Sorry, Tarasov. And they're tr- they're trying to force this guy to be a starter to the point where Elvis Merzlikens has demanded a trade.
0: Really? Yeah. Is it to the point where they're like Apu with Milhouse when they tied him to the crossbars and be like Defense, defense, come on, you call that blowing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but Merzlikins also
1: hasn't played that great. But it's like, he's been uh, better than Tarasovs.
0: But again, not a high bar. Yeah, it's not a high bar. But I'll tell you what, though. Brady Duchuk, This is easily one of the best offensive games I've seen him play his entire career. Oh, yeah. He Would was dialed him. in. He was. I mean, that second goal or was it, he it was the Matt Duchesne goal. Against the Flyers, yep. that was his version of that. You know what? I'm going to reverse that.
1: Elvis Merzlikens has played fine. He hasn't been great, hasn't been
0: bad. He's been fine. So he's the so he's the usher halftime show. He's just fine. He's just fine.
1: But that's more than you could say of Daniil Tarasov, which really goes back to what we were saying about Kekaline. Columbus's way of managing their players has not been good
0: but we're talking about goaltending. You know, we can always shit on the Blue Jackets, but let's talk about Anton Forsberg. 37 saves, .925 save percentage. I can't fault him for a lot of the goals. The only one I felt he should have had was the Boone Generical.
1: Yeah, that was weird.
0: The Generical when you're like this, and you can see his head going like this, and nothing else moves.
1: Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, it was kind of a weird play too. So you can't even really fault him too much but yeah it's surprisingly one of the better games that Forsberg has played and I definitely felt like he should have gotten another chance at it and it's unfortunate because that did allow Columbus to kind of get back into it but other than that because the other thing was is like the Jenner goal also kind of looked offside like it wasn't So I can see why, like, Forsberg got caught a little off guard, but you kind of have to be a bit more engaged there. But you had two quick goals, but then Brady Kachuk kind of puts the game away.
0: And we'd love to see it.
1: You'll love to see it. But it is really just kind of this... It's been a tough season for Columbus, and it's kind of their own fault.
0: Yeah, and watch as... Because they're in a position to get the number one pick. Watch they don't even win it.
1: Probably not. Because it is just a really, it's just been a tough year for them.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It's so unfortunate because we here at the third level, it says, guys, we
1: We know a few things about tough years.
0: We do know a thing or two about tough years, but also we've always given praise about the Blue Jackets and the City of Columbus. And, oh, actually, sorry, speaking about Columbus, before we head on to the Ducks game, another story that we should have added, and I might have added it for next week, I can't remember off the top of my head, the Blue Jackets Stadium Series game. Oh. Against Detroit.
1: Is it in Detroit?
0: Ohio. Ohio Stadium. Oh, nice. Yeah, because I think you and I were... It was either you and I or Adam and I were talking about this. It was us. It wasn't us? Yeah, we were talking yeah. about... How I could see it being Detroit because of the Ohio-Michigan rivalry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Let's turn our attention to the second game of the evening. Ducks versus the Senators. This is a five to one Ducks victory. The Ducks goes with great by Mason Mason Metavish with two. Pavel Mitch Yukov, Frank Fertrano, and Cam Fowler. Claude Giroux got the Lone Suns goal. Shots were 34, 20 for the Senators. Now. Like I was saying before we hit record. I honestly wanted to add the clip of Krusty the Clown when he was watching the Worker and Parasite video going like, what the hell was that? But instead, I am going to do something different. And maybe, and maybe in the future, I might include the Krusty clip. This is a reverse Uno game. Now, for those who don't know the game Uno, if you place a card, you could play a reverse Uno card. This is the reverse Uno card game. A game that Ottawa should have won. Yet Corpus out let everything go through him. Yeah, he evolved from uh, four Pasalo to
1: one and four Pasalo with his uh, beautiful 0. 0.75 save percentage. And at the other end of the ice, John Gibson put up a beautiful game. Despite getting run
0: every like two minutes.
1: Yeah. And he actually had to leave the game at one point because it did look like he was probably concussed. Yeah. Like I... it... And he he still made some good saves. Uh, Ottawa hit a bunch of crossbars and it was just a really unlucky game. And I don't even know how Corpusalo let in three of those goals.
0: Yeah, I don't know either, and it's but, one of those games where you watch it and you're just so frustrated with Corpusalo. You're just like, we're, "Oh my god, how many more years of this do we have?"
1: We're gonna talk about it a bit later, but dude's getting bought out. Let's be real.
0: Yeah, and I was so sure that we were done with these buyouts,
1: and like the a lot of the things about the goals against Corpusalo is the guy gives up some juicy rebounds, like. On the first Michikov goal, that should—that was a puck that was like right on body on positioning. He kicks it out. That should have been in between the legs and squeezed and stopped and frozen, but nope, it goes out. And then the Vitrano goal is just like—it's like a—it's like a, a nice passing play, but it goes th- like through his armpit. He. Sh- he was tracking the puck, he would have been tight to the post and that wouldn't have happened. No. So it's like a lot of th- these are goals that shouldn't have happened. But admittedly, it's not like the Sens were playing much better for the first period. Like it was just an absolute snooze fest until the third.
0: It was. I mean, this is yet another one of these games where I essentially stopped watching it after it was 3-0 because I went and had a shower I got home from work. And I was in the shower. I came out and Katrina's watching the Calgary game. And I was like, oh, I thought the Sens game was on." she goes, no, I turned it off when it was 4-0. I was like, as you do. Yeah. And then we watched the Flames play the Sharks. And the Sharks ended up beating Calgary.
1: Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk any more about this Ducks game? Or do you want to head off to the third game of the evening? I don't. I'm not sure there's much more to say about this game other
1: than just reverse Uno game. You want to talk about a reverse or Uno game. Let's talk about the stupid Chicago game.
0: Yes, Tim. Let's talk about the third and final game of the evening. Sens versus Blackhawks. It's a 3-2 Blackhawks victory. Sens goes recorded by Tim Stutzla and Jacob Chikrin. Blackhawks goes recorded by Nick Felino, Connor Bernard, and Jason Dickinson. Shots were 42-22 for Ottawa. Yeah, you're right. It's another reverse Uno game. It's a game that we should have won. Yeah, we didn't. I,
1: I get that Jacques Martin probably started Corpusalo because he wanted to send a, me- a message to the team that the start that they had was unacceptable. Yeah, but man, Corpusalo didn't look good in this game either. With three, like here's the thing: the Sens kept both of these awful teams to 20 shots apiece and it, they scored two goals in that in there and. And unfortunately rang a couple off the post. But Corpus Allo couldn't do his job. And he actually had a goal called back on him too where he got absolutely deeped out of his jock. So what do the Sens do? Like, obviously they're playing Forsberg against Tampa and Forsberg's look good. Like, it's uh, four left in the third. Two goals on 22 shots. They're getting... League average goaltending out of Forsberg.
0: I even got the game on my phone too. Yeah, so it's like what are what's auto what's Ottawa to do? I don't know. I mean, at what point do we bring up Soul Guard? It brings up guard and maybe send Corpus Alo down. Well, it's like guard or, 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 it? or does Corpus or does Corpusalo have a no move clause? He probably
1: has some sort of no-move clause. Uh, I'm going to check that contract. But, like,
0: Corpus... Like,
1: Sogard, I think he has the potential to be an NHL goalie, but his most recent stint was uninspiring. Uh, He has Modified No Trade. So they can pull the Murray... Sorry, they can pull the Matt Murray Maneuver. Okay. And the buyout's also not too bad.
0: What's the buyout at?
1: It'll be 1.3 million... Over seven years. Sorry, over eight years.
0: Okay, and that's not too too bad. Then.
1: And uh for the first two years, it's less than a million.
0: Oh shit. Okay, so it's just pocket change then at that point.
1: Yeah, like it's not a bad
0: buyout. No, not a buy. Not a bad buyout at all. And you know, uh, again, I think the only thing I can really comment about the Blackhawks guy, I don't have any comments to make on the Blackhawks game just because, again, I completely forgot it was an afternoon game. So I went to the gym, I was working out, and I realized, oh shit, the Sens game's on.
1: Yeah. And like the tying, like the tying goal was again because Corpusallo got himself twisted out of position and then kicked out a gnarly rebound. It's a problem. Like the guy can't seem to track a puck right, kicks out crazy rebounds. Like this season has just been a disaster for him. Like straight up worst goaltending in the NHL. This is a game where the Senders directed 40 shots on net, most of them good. Norris ringed one off the post. Tarasenko ringed one off the post. And then they let in a backbreaker against a team that they somehow haven't been able to beat in, I want to say, six years.
0: Yeah, which is more understandable when the Blackhawks were winning Stanley Cups, not when, as the post. 2015 Hawk teams.
1: Yeah, like it's the Sens at this point are just cursed. And it sucks because it's like, I want the team to be good. And we want the team to be good. We want the team to be good. The forwards and defense, they did their job for most. They managed to keep the Hawks to three shots in the third, the second period.
0: Yeah. You know, sorry. And they scored on one of them. Yeah, by the way, sorry, I was just looking at this Tampa-Ottawa game right now. Those Blackhawks, those, uh, sorry, Blackhawks, the Tampa jerseys, they kind of look like the the Hawks jerseys from the original Mighty Ducks movies. Just the coloring of them.
1: Yeah, I see that.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, it is what it is. And that's a really disappointing thing about this week is that realistically, we should have won all three. Yep. And we didn't. I and mean, the, didn't. the Ducks game, we should have won. Like, they're a lottery team right now. Same as the Blackhawks. And the, yep. if we were... If well, we, we lost
1: won, to Connor Bedard. Let's be real.
0: Yeah. But still, these are still games that you... They're, they're gimme games. You should have won these. Yeah, exactly. I know. And you know what? Just looking at the schedule, it's not going to get easier from here no well obviously like we beat tampa let's be real it's only like a minute 50 left in the game we beat tampa we play florida tomorrow night dallas vegas
1: yeah those are those are hard games yeah but it's just like (sighs) i don't even you just kind of run out of words to say but it's like Does Ottawa just go big game hunting for a goaltender on the trade market, and can they afford one?
0: I don't know. I mean, unless Nashville or one of these teams wants to take Corpasalo back.
1: Yeah, and then well, you're just pushing up the price tag, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. No. So, honestly, like, honestly, I think Reverse Uno is a good good title for the episode.
1: Pretty much. And it's a shame because like Corpus Allo played decently during the sense a little run there, but just didn't happen.
0: It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Now I do want to make one final comment before we head off to the close. Now we were talking about Uno. Yeah. So on three ghosts, no four ghosts, the podcast that Adam Young and I do for three ghosts headlines, which is the news stories of the week, the game Uno officially confirmed that players can't, sorry, Uno officially confirming they that players cannot draw two on top of another draw two.
1: Okay, so they do not stack. Yes. Although I think it is an accepted house rule.
0: Yeah. But the fact is that Uno straight up confirmed that this was true. <laughs> well, shouldn't we have been able to figure that out by
1: reading the rule book?
0: I mean we could. We could, but you know, Some people don't. (laughs) So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you are ready to head off into the close. I'm good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, SenseCast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on social media. You can find us at Third Line Plug. I'm also on social media at Great White gipster, And you can find Tim on Twitter at M901. Honey Badger. So, Tim, just like we are mentioned a minute ago here, here are the games of the week. And it's not like this past week where it was three teams that we should have got Ws. Tonight's game, we beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-2. Tomorrow night, the Chuck Bowl in Miami in South Florida versus the Florida Panthers. Yep. Thursday, we we return home to play the Dallas Stars, and Saturday night we return home to play the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty stacked schedule for the Sens, and uh, it would be very funny if they managed to win all of these games and still be out of the playoff picture. And that's what happens when you experience Jonas Corpusalo hockey.
0: I hope you know that if that's the case, Next week's episode is going to be titled hey,
1: So yeah, they played a good game against a very good team. So maybe Ottawa just can't beat West Coast teams, which is uh, very good.
0: Yeah, it is. Very, it is very but we got
1: to go Until next week, guys. I'm your host, Gibson. And this is Big Ten Jackson. Go Samson.
0: Woo!